Israel were trekking along through the wilderness in pursuit of a 500-year-old promise that God made with Abraham the land of promise, a land of their own where they would be their own nation. And there were many stops along the way, and with each stop, God was preparing his people for the reward that was to come. And so they, I think they imagined that as soon as they crossed the Red Sea that they would be in the promised land. But the truth was that they weren't ready for the promised land. Even after the two or so years they traveled through to get there, even still they weren't ready for the reward once they were on the other side of it. And how often do we start praying and asking for God for things and we expect it immediately, but the truth is we're not ready for it. And so God has to strip away things in our life, strip away the barriers and strongholds and prepare us and mold us and shape us in order to receive and to go where God wants us to go. And the sooner we can understand that, the smoother the ride might be. Sometimes we're stubborn as a mule and God has to drag us to where we're praying for. That's our prayer, God, and yet why are we being so stubborn? And so at each stop, there was a report given, a report of the current conditions. And each time a report was given, we got to see what was in the hearts of the Israelites by their response. Because that's what a report does. It reveals what's in your heart. And you know, it never was really good for them. Their hearts were heavy, full of jealousy and deceit, and all too comfortable and familiar with the perverted practices of Egypt and full of pride and and, and easily compromised God's law. And they were plagued with sickness and acted irrationally, and their hearts were filled with fear, which bound them to their ungodliness. Not one ounce of faith was in their heart, even after seeing God do so many things. Even after seeing so many miracles being done right before their eyes, there was not an ounce of faith, not a trace of courage, even after hearing the mountain shake from the voice of God. No genuine desire to please God, even after seeing Moses' face glowing from the glory of God. God knew that all of this was in their hearts, and that is why he took them the long way through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, before getting to the Jordan River. And there was an actual road from Egypt to the land of Israel that many nations and people had taken before for the trade routes, but God had not taken them down that road. He didn't take them down the paved highway, the interstate highway with with no uh, lights. Um, You can go as quickly as you want. He didn't take them that way. Why? Because what would have happened had they gone the direct route was the people of Israel would have built and established an outpost of Egypt. They would have built a mini Egypt because they had been living in Egypt for 400 years and that is what was in their heart. The ways of Egypt and the mindset and the thinking of Egypt was in their heart. And you can see it come out in the wilderness when Moses went up to meet with God and then the people said, let's make a golden calf like the Egyptians Let's worship it. Where does that, where'd that come from? Moses went up to Mount Sinai to meet with that voice that shuddered the whole earth. He went up there to talk with God on their behalf, and they're sitting down there saying, hey, let's make a golden calf and worship it. Let's dance around it, and, and let's worship it and, and mimic the Egyptians that we've seen, we've lived in. Or maybe when there was no food, They said, let's go back to Egypt and be slaves. At least we can eat food. Thus, the time in the wilderness, the time of testing, report after report, let's see what's still left in their heart, God is asking. 
Let's see what's still in there that needs to get out. Because if you don't confront that spirit, if you don't confront that sin and wickedness in the wilderness and get it out of your heart and get a hold of it and bind it, it'll never let you go. Because once you enter the promised land, you'll blend in with the pagan world around you. And God has called his people to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And so we have to figure out what is in our heart and what we need to get out of it if we want to go in the promised land. we got to deal with it in the wilderness. Thus the wilderness is the time of solitude, time of emptying out, so that once you reach the Jordan, and receive the report of the reward just on the other side of the river, you'll be ready, ready to move, ready to fight, ready to go in and conquer and take a hold of the reward and promises that God has given to you. But it has to be dealt with first on the other side of the river. The time came when Israel assembled by the Jordan River. and Moses spent out, sent out his 12 spies into the land to compile a report. We need a report of the land, what is out there, so we can prepare ourselves. And once this report got back, we will see what is in the heart of the people. Because that's what the report does. That's what truth does. It reveals what's in your heart. Numbers 13, 27. They told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. They brought, brought back uh, evidence of the fruit, uh, giant clusters of grape that men, two men had to carry on their shoulders. They were so large. And, and so you can imagine they were thinking, well, bless God, let's go. Let's go claim it. It's all there. The promises of God are true. Everything that we heard about uh, that God was going to give us is true. So what are we still doing here? Good report. What God said has actually turned out to be true. So what are we still doing here? Verse 28, nevertheless. Don't you like that transitional word? Nevertheless. The people be strong that dwell in the land. Okay, really, pal, whoever wrote this report, do we really need to be getting all these adjectives out here now? Let's take it easy and choose our words wisely. The people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Why didn't you just say, there are people in the land, some are bigger than others, they live in cities, now let's go get them. Why wasn't that the report? Why did the report have to say, People be strong in the land. Cities are walled and very great. It's not a great city. It's a very great city. Verse 30, Caleb jumped up. He stilled the people before Moses. He saw what was happening. He stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. He was, coming, he was trying to cut off that person with all those adjectives and saying, We don't need to be hearing about all that stuff. We got God on our side. Let's go up at once and take it. We are well able to do it because God is for us. Who can be against us? That's what Caleb was ready to go and go possess the land. You can already see what was in Caleb's heart. You can already hear the voice and the thoughts of Caleb. Faith, full of courage and excitement to go. All he needed to hear was the first part of the land. And he says, God's word be true. Let every man be a liar and let's go. God's brought us this far. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. I just need to hear that there's fruit in the land like he said. And whatever else is in there, God will take care of. 
So already we see the re- what's in Caleb's heart coming out. The, the report is being read and Caleb's heart is being poured out. Let's go up at once. Possess it. We get to see what's in the other people's heart. The men that were with him went up with him and said, We be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Isn't it amazing what a report will reveal? Isn't it amazing what truth exposes? Isn't it amazing what light, the light of God's glory shines upon and illuminates and all of a sudden the dark corners of our hearts and the the deep secrets that we were keeping from Him all of a sudden are exposed and brought to the light and the glory and the fullness of God. Amazing what a report will reveal. Verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land. No, they didn't. They didn't bring up an evil report of the land because why would then Caleb say, let's go? Why would Caleb say, uh, that's a horrible report. We need to go up at once and possess it. No, they brought an accurate report. They brought an accurate report. Even the guy who, 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 who was talking with embellishing with all those great adjectives, with all his bits of wisdom and knowledge and, and vocabulary, he, what he did, he didn't bring an evil report. He brought an accurate report. The report will reveal what's in your heart. And that is why you should always want an accurate report. And not some sugar-coated report that there's, there's people in the land, some are bigger than others, they live in cities, let's go. No, I want an accurate report. Because an accurate report will reveal what's in my heart. A, a sweet-sounding report, that doesn't really mean anything and won't really reveal any deep, dark areas in your heart. But an accurate report, talking about people stronger than you and walled cities and very great cities, and that accurate report will do something to you. Because a true report will give a true reflection of your heart. Otherwise, you'll be walking through life thinking everything is good and fine, when in reality there are lots and lots of details and adjectives that you are missing out of, and some of them are pretty important. And that is why here at Apostolic Praise Tabernacle, we're not going to leave out any of the details. We're not going to leave out any of the details in the scripture. We're not going to skip over some pages and say, oh, we don't like the sound of that. Let's skip over that. No, we're going to hear an accurate report. I want to hear a true report because we don't want to leave anything out. I want to hear the complete gospel. I don't want to believe some sugar-coated fill that tastes good you can get from a vending machine. No, I need a church that's going to tell it all. I need a church that will preach the apostolic truth, what Jesus told his disciples to go and preach. I need a church that tells, that preaches that sin is wrong and sin will send you to hell. It doesn't matter how nice you are, how good of a person you are, sin will still send you to hell. Jesus said, unless a man be born again of the water and of the Spirit, you're not going to make it. Those are his words. Those ain't my words. And if he said that, that bless God, I need to hear that. I need to hear that, and I need a chance to respond at being born again. If you don't repent of your sins, if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking it out of the tongues, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. That's the accurate report. That's the accurate report. If you're not born again, you're not even going to see the kingdom of God. If you're not born of the water and of the spirit, don't even get your hopes up. You're not going to see the kingdom of God. That's what they skip over, verse 5, to get to John 3.16. Why don't you start at the beginning of the chapter. Let's get the context. 
Everyone knows John 3.16, but no, we skip over John 3.5, don't we? We want all the, we want an accurate report. And so if you're, if you're not born again, you're not going to make it. If you don't live right and act right and dress right, you're probably not going to make it because Hebrews 12 and 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Without holiness, you're not going to make it. You're not going to see God. Are those my words? These ain't my words. That's a part of the Bible many people don't want to read. But hey, I want, the, I want everything. I need to hear it now. I need to hear it now. And some may say that's an evil report. I see it as an accurate report. And my opinion, my opinion and my feelings about the report doesn't matter. It's the truth. The truth is the truth, baby. And so how you feel about it, that's up to you. The truth is not going to change because you don't like what it says. We want the whole truth. We want the accurate truth. We want to hear it all because we want to understand if I got to be born again, if I got to quit that sin, if I got to stop going there and stop watching that in order for me to get saved and go to heaven. That's what I need to hear. Put it right between the eyes. I need to hear what the Word of God says. And if you want a sugar-coated, fluffy report, there are plenty of churches that will give that to you. Go up with your credit card, swipe their vending machine of gospel, and you can walk out smiling ear to ear with candy in your teeth. A lot of churches skip over a lot of details. Why? Because if they start saying that, people might leave. You can easily build a huge church with just a sugar-coated piece of candy. But when you start revealing deeper things of the Spirit and deeper things of the Word of God, all of a sudden it starts revealing the truth, what's inside people's hearts and say, oh, I don't want to give that up. I'm going to go to another church that it can sugarcoat it, that I can feel comfortable. Well, as long as you feel comfortable, you may not, probably not going to make it because the Word of God, the truth, doesn't make us comfortable. It pierces through and deep down inside our heart, God created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Help me cast off all these works of darkness. Get rid of all this stuff in me. I need to be purified. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be white as snow. We need to get a deep scrubbing from the word of God. And it's not going to feel good. It'll feel good later. It'll feel good later but doesn't feel good now. You got to get through it. A lot of people just want to believe, well, that's all nice. Well, we all have to face the report at some point. You want to ignore the report now, that's fine. The report's going to be read to you at some point in your life. I'd rather deal with it now. Make the changes that I need to. Because when you hear the report again, there's not going to be any time to change. At the great white throne judgment, the report's going to be read again. And everybody that hears it ain't going to have time to change because our time to change is now. And so it's better, as hard as it is, we'd better deal with it now. Otherwise, we don't have any other opportunity. The truth of the report is going to be revealed in our hearts The people of Israel, it was revealed that there was no, they had no faith in God. They read the report, they had no faith in God. They had no courage. They had no consecration. And so that is why they said it's an evil report. It was an evil report. It was an accurate report. Their hearts were evil. Their hearts were full of disbelief. And so therefore, the truth you hear, you say, that's an evil report. That doesn't apply to me. And so what did they say? We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Notice who's, who became the grasshopper first. We were a grasshopper in our own sight. 
and so we were in theirs. Whatever you think about yourself, that's what it's going to be. However you view yourself before standing before the enemy, that's how the enemy is going to view you. And so if you believe that you're a grasshopper, guess what? The enemy is just going to step on you. But if you believe that you are a born-again believer, a child of the Most High God, and you know for sure who you are, then there's nothing that this world can do to you. There's no devil that can stand against you. There's no giant that can defeat you. Why? Because in my mind, I'm a child of God. I'm filled with the Spirit of the Most High God. And so what's in my mind and how I view myself, is how the enemy is going to see me. And so if you feel like you're all beat up and woe is me, well, guess what? What do you think the enemy thinks of you? The enemy doesn't care about you, and when you confess, oh, I'm worthless, hey, the enemy's like, yeah, yeah, you are. Why, why would the enemy tell you the truth? If you, if you tell the enemy truth, who you are, what God has given you, he ain't going to stick around. Because he understands, he knows the power that's inside of you. And if it's ever activated and awakened, he knows he's not going to stick around to feel that thunderbolt coming against him. But if you don't believe that and you don't understand that, he'll, he'll torment you all the days of your life because you haven't made up your mind. God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Sound mind. God's spirit will help clear up your mind. If you let it, you need to let it clear up your mind. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Get those imaginations out of your mind in Jesus' name. Every high thing in your mind, every, every belief in your mind, every doctrine, every understanding, every piece of knowledge and wisdom, every tradition, every habit, every high thing that does not align with the word of God, it needs to get out of your mind. He continues on, taking captive every thought the obedience of Christ, a sound mind. It's all, it's all in between the years. How you view yourself, the enemy will view you that way as well. And so God has given us the spirit to go out and conquer and destroy enemies. It doesn't matter who they are, how big they are, but we have to believe that. If we don't believe that, we're not going to rush out there with a sword and start fighting people, fighting spirits. We don't fight people. But if you don't have the confidence of a sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, if you don't know that, the truth, and how are you going to go out there and attack? And the devil knows if you're attacking or not. He knows if you're out swinging a sword or if you don't even know where your sword is. He knows. But I tell you, he's afraid of the person that puts on the armor of God because they know who they are. And they know the power and the authority that God has given them. And so the devil will not stand in your way. If you submit yourself to, to the Lord, and, and the, the devil is going to flee from you. Why? Because you are submitted before God. You understand your covering and your calling. And there's nothing the enemy can do. And so we have to get ourselves made up, our mind made up, a sound mind, to under, become the men and women that God has called us to be. It doesn't matter... How long you've been in the church, you can pick up habits, traditions in your mind that you think is fine. That's why every day I pray, God, everything, get everything out of my mind. Tradition, habit, doctrine, belief, whatever, perceptions, worldviews, how I view people. Everything, every kind of knowledge I've ever gathered up over my life, if it's man's knowledge, that's not going to work. I need everything out of my, my mind, and I need to put on the mind of Christ. Casting off the carnal mind that is enmity with God. Everything, God, I don't care how long I've known it. If it doesn't align with your word, if it's puffed up, exalted above the word of God, it needs to get out of my mind. Because I can't be the man that God has called me to be with all that stuff in my mind, strongholds built up in my mind. And that's, the, that's where the war is, the battle is every single day, putting on the mind of Christ. And so... The people of Israel heard the report and they said, it's an evil report. We cannot go up. But Caleb heard the same report. But that's not what Caleb saw. He said, we are well able. Let's go up at once, cross the river, and claim the reward that God has for us. Caleb's heart was ready. But sadly, it would be another 40 years 
before Caleb would able, be able to see it. Not because of him, because of everyone else. The report was true. The people were stronger than the Israelites. The people of Israel were slaves and shepherds. People of the land, even though they were wicked people, they were more experienced in battle than the Israelites. They had been locked up for 400 years. Do you think the Israelites went out fighting wars? No. They were servants. They were slaves in Egypt. Now all of a sudden they got to go out and they got to fight and go kill those people, kill that nation. No, the, the people were stronger than them. They had to fight because they had to fight and defend their land from against the other wicked nations that come and try to conquer them. And so the cities were walled, and they were very great. Talk about a great city, Jericho, the first city that was waiting for them. That was probably the greatest walled city in all the land. Because they had been in wars before, and they knew how to build strongholds. And so the report was not an evil report. It was an accurate report. And so why did Caleb say, we are well able, let's go up at once? Because Caleb knew that the real battle was not theirs. The real battle was the Lord's because God's the one who promised the land. God promised the land to them. It's, it's not my promise. I'm just here for the party. God said he's going to give us this land. And so Caleb understood when God speaks, he means it. And if he declares a promise, he's going to back it up and he's going to deliver it. Caleb knew that it wasn't their strength that would win it, but it was his strength that would win it. God, That God would enable them to defeat the stronger people because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Caleb understood, yeah, they're stronger than us, but hey, they're not stronger than my God, and my God is going to go for us and defeat us, defeat them and fight for us. That is the faith that was found in Caleb's heart when the report was read. And so enough, the report was verified by another report. But they didn't get that report for some 40 years later when they came back after wandering in the wilderness. Joshua sent spies into Jericho to get a report. And this is what Rahab had told them. Joshua 2.9. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Wow. This harlot had more faith than the people of God did a generation earlier. She wasn't even, she didn't live for God. And she says, I know God's giving you the land. Talk about sinners having more faith in God than the people of God. What a strike against the people of God when the world believes more about it than we do. We need to get with the program and get with the word of God because if God said it, he's going to do it. And if God's given us the power over all the enemy, then what does that mean? That means we have the power over all the enemy. I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us, that all the inhabitants of the land faint. Because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. That was 40 years ago. 40 years ago and they're still afraid. Meanwhile, the people of God 40 years ago were, were, were cowards and said, we're grasshoppers. They didn't understand the people in Jericho were shivering in fear because they heard about what their God did. 40 years they were afraid of God showing up in their, in their city. Meanwhile, the people of God, no clue. We had heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did under the two kings, the Amorites. That were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom he utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. What a report. What a report from the enemy. That's from the enemy. That's what they think about you. 
Do we even believe that? Do we understand what the enemy knows about us? I think they know more about us than we do. If, if we can just tap into the Holy Ghost, the deep waters of the Spirit of God, you mean to tell me that the enemy is not afraid of us? No. They're afraid of us, all right? They're afraid of us gathering together an all-night prayer meeting and starting tearing down strongholds. That's what they're afraid of because they know that once the people of God are awakened and we start marching forward, there's not Nothing that they'll be able to do to stop us. We just have to get a hold of the report of God. We got to get a hold of the Spirit of God in our life and let God lead us in His ways. You mean to tell me that the report that we got 40 years ago about how strong you were and how great cities and how great walls that you had, you mean to tell me that terror had fallen on you and that your hearts were already melted out of fear that no courage remained in any man. You, you mean to tell me that you were more afraid of us than we were of you? And we were the ones that said we can't win. Think about that every time you wake up. Devil's waiting for you just to throw in the towel and says I can't do it. It's all he's waiting for. But if you ever just pursue and, and persevere and hold on, just keep, keep holding on by a little bit of faith, the devil is going to be the one that says, oh, I can't do it. I can't defeat them. I've tried everything. I've thrown all those spirits at them, and I still can't do it. Uh, somebody's going to say, I can't, and it's not going to be me. It's not going to be us. It's going to be the enemy that says, we can't stop apostolic praise. We can't stop the Spirit of God from moving into our city and tearing down our strongholds. We can't do that. We we are the ones that God has given us the victory. We are more than conquerors. You mean to tell me that had we just came into the land 40 years ago, if we just came in the land full of strong people and uh, the great walled cities and giants, that if we just came in and said, boom. Our adversaries, our enemies, would have been paralyzed with fear and dropped over dead. And all we had to do 40 years ago was to join in with Caleb and say, with the help of the Lord, we are well able it doesn't matter what the report is. Our God's greater than the report. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. Our God is able and we are well able to, to get up and go and conquer what God wants us to do. So it turns out that the 40-year-old report was still accurate. The first report that they had heard was still true. There were still great walled cities. There were still the Anax. Uh, the Anakims, the giants, they were still the great strong people in the land. But once Joshua and the people of God heard this new report, they finally understood that they weren't the grasshoppers. They weren't the grasshoppers. They, they finally understood who their God was and who they were. They were the people of the Most High God. And Joshua said, it's time that we cross over the river. It's time that we rise up and go and claim our reward. It's time we go into the promised land because we finally heard the report. And the people responded. And they said, let's go. And so what did Joshua do? He declared the people of God sanctify themselves. Sanctify themselves fast. Cleanse yourselves. Cleanse your minds, your homes. Prepare your hearts because God is going to come among us and the Lord is going to come and do wonders among us. And here's the truth. You can't cross over the river. You can't cross over into the promised land until you have first heard the report of the land. You got to hear the report of the land because you need to see what is in your heart and how you will respond to the report. You can't cross the river 
into the land until you've prepared your heart and removed all the junk and the filth that you didn't even realize was in there. That's what the truth will do. Brings all that to light. The closer you get to God, the more spotlights he turns on in your life. And you're like, wow. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Here we go. We're walking around thinking we're, and we're high and mighty. And all of a sudden God shines in the spotlight and you're like, whoa. It looks like I hadn't showered in a week. The closer you get to God, the more dirty you're going to find. The more spots you'll find in your heart. You just got to keep surrendering your, God to, your heart to God. God, every single day created me a clean heart. I, got, I know yesterday I got a clean heart from you, but man, this, this filthy body corrupted that heart. God, I need a new one. And tomorrow, God, I need a new one because the one you gave me, it expired. Batteries died on it. The acid came out and ruined everything. This sinful, sinful nature got into it and started corrupting my heart and creating these evil thoughts. God created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit with me every single day. You need to get recharged every day. It's like you plug your phone in. God forbid we forget to plug our phone in and you wake up and it's dead. Your heart sinks. If only we could plug our soul into God every day like we plug our phone in. Things would be a little bit different in our life, wouldn't it? If we allowed God to mold us and shape us and change things and God surrendered my heart, God, I think I know the way, but, but tear it all apart and fit, put it back together the way that you want it. You can't cross the river until you've heard the report of the land and you've responded to that report because whatever's in your heart has to come out. Because if you don't get that filth and junk out of your heart and your life, and you get sanctified with the truth of God, if you don't do that and get it all out of your heart, you're not going to have the power or the authority to go into the filthy land and to conquer anything. Because what's in the land is still in your heart. You're not effective. How can you de defeat a spirit of bondage if you're still bound? How can you bind the spirit of iniquity if you're still letting it bind you? We can't go into the land until we deal with our heart and get a report of the land and figure out what is in our heart and what we need to remove because we won't have the power and authority. But if we get a hold of things here, on this side of the river, if we get a hold of the things of God and say, God, search me, get everything out of me. Why? Because the reward, the land that you want us to go, there's lots of inhabitants in the land, and we need to be able to see who the enemy is, and we need to be able to identify the wickedness and the darkness, and, and if we can't identify the enemy, how can we defeat the enemy? So the same filthiness and same stuff that afflicts our soul. The same unrighteousness that's in our hearts is the same filthiness and unrighteousness that's in the hearts of the inhabitants. And if we can't get it out of our heart now, before we cross the river, then you won't have the authority to remove it when you're over there. And so the river represents a barrier of belief. The river will tell you if you're ready to go across. The river is the door to the supernatural, is to where God begins to work wonders among us. And if your heart and your life has been sanctified and cleansed, then the river will dry up and let you walk across. If you don't have the faith, the river ain't drying up. You're going to have to try to swim across that and that current ain't going to get you. The river will dry it up if you're ready to go across. As soon as the priests that were carrying the ark of God on their shoulders, as soon, the Bible says, as soon as they stepped into the water, the river stopped flowing, stopped in its tracks. Why? Because they were ready. And Joshua and the Israelites crossed over into their reward and they camped in Gilgal 
before they went on to Jericho. But before we even got, they even got to Jericho, before they crossed the river, they had to prepare themselves. They had to address the report that was read to them. And unbeknownst to you, we've already read the report of the land. We've read the report of what's out there. We've had an understanding of what lies in store out there. Hell's 12 apostles is the different spirits and generals in, in the devil's army. And there's many more spirits. Obviously, there's only 12 mentioned there. But we've been reading the report of the land, of the, what's going on out there. And if we don't deal with this report right now with our own hearts, we're not going to be able to go out there and start doing what we think we can do. And so that's why we've been praying. That's why we've been fasting. That's why we've been studying the Word of God. And that's why we've been reading the field manual of the report of what's going out there. Because this isn't our pretty report. If you read the book, it's not a pretty report. It's not an evil report. It's an accurate report. And how you respond to this tells you what's inside of you. I know at first, at first maybe you're reading it and you're thinking, wow, I see so-and-so. And, oh, chapter 3, there's chapter 3. Walking over there, there's chapter 8. I know what you're thinking, you did it. But that's not, that's not the purpose of the report. The purpose of the report is to find your name in here. It's to find your name. Where's your name written? Because it's about you dealing with the report in your own heart. And I know you may be out there, some of you may be saying, oh, I didn't find my name. Oh, I found it. It's in the pride chapter. And after the pride chapter, go to the lying spirit. You'll find your name in there too. purpose of the field manual is to find your name and get it out of here. Get your name out of the book and get it written in the Lamb's book of life. Get, it, get your name in the word of God. Get your name out of the devil's report because once you get your name out of here, then you can walk out those doors and into the promised land and cross the river and start binding those spirits in the name of Jesus Christ. And we start getting victory in our life and revival in our church, revival in our city. It's not until we read the report and we deal with it in our heart. Musicians, if you would come. So you don't need to forget about this. I know we read it just recently. But I think this is something that you need to revisit. Because after a few months, things get cloudy and you forget about stuff. You go ahead and read it again and see if your name pops up in this book at all. And get that white out and get it out. Because if, you, if your name shows up in any chapter, I guarantee you it probably shows up in another chapter. These guys, they work, they're more unified than we probably are. One of them gets in. Props the door open for another one to come in. You ain't just going to deal with one of these guys, one of these spirits. No, well, if they, one of them get in, they're going to, hey, buddies, the party's over here. And so the purpose of the field manual, the report, is to expose what's in your heart. And you say, my Lord, how many chapters am I in? You're going to look through it all, and you can look through your past life and say, wow, I can see that. I can see that happening. I can see where that happened. <clears throat> and don't think that you're a child of God, that the enemy is just going to leave you alone. When you become born again, you get born with a target on your back. And every single one of these guys is probably going to come after you. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not a, 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 a sinful thing to be uh, attacked by a spirit of, of the darkness. They're going to come by and they're going to try to 
plant seeds and, and thoughts in your mind. They'll speak through your mind. And you all of a sudden, you're like, where do these thoughts come from? It's probably a spirit. And if you don't know which one it is, you're, how are you going to fight it and bind it in Jesus' name? And so whenever you're doing whatever you're doing and all of a sudden uh, something comes in, uh, depression or whatever, you can understand, hey, in Jesus' name, get out of here. I rebuke those thoughts. Either when those thoughts come in your mind, you're either going to entertain them or you're going to evict them. The sin comes when you start entertaining those thoughts and you start dwelling on those things and, oh, yeah, I can't believe what they said. I can't believe what they did to me. Sounds like you're entertaining those thoughts. Every thought that's in our mind is not a righteous thought and doesn't necessarily come from our heart. Sometimes the enemies come in and start speaking things and these thoughts appear in your mind. Somebody said, you can't control the birds that fly over your head. But you can control if they build a nest in your head. Spirits are flying all over this world and they'll come and drop stuff in your mind and see, are you going to entertain it or are you going to evict those? We need to be evicting, sending eviction notices to everything. In the name of Jesus, we're casting down every imagination, every high thing that has exalted itself, bringing a cake in captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. If we do that, deal with our hearts now, the river will part for us. And that means we'll be ready to what God wants us to do on the other side. Before they even got to Jericho, they had already crossed over. They encountered somebody before the first battle. Somebody was waiting for them on the other side. Joshua 5.13 came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went unto him and said, are you for us, for our adversaries? And he said, nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, what saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, loose thy shoe from off thy foot. For the place whereon thou standest is holy, and Joshua did so. This is before they got to Jericho. Joshua met somebody on the other side of the river. This man is identified as the captain of the Lord's host. We would probably say it's an angel, a manifestation of God. But I believe it wasn't an angel. I believe it was God himself. You know how I know? Not because of what he said. He did say, Joshua, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. But the previous verse says that Joshua fell down and worshipped him when he saw him. You will see this happen a lot in scripture. Angels appear before man and what do they do? They fall down and they start worshiping him, worshiping him. And so what happens is when this hat, you can read, read other accounts in scripture, is that if it's, an, if it's an angel of God, the angel says, get up, don't worship me. Angels don't receive worship because they know God does not share his glory. You start worshiping a real angel of God, he says, get up, don't be worshiping me. Not getting that fire, that thunderbolt coming down on me. I'm not receiving your worship. And so what did Joshua do? He, he fell down and he worshiped. And there was no correction. This angel didn't say, get up, don't worship me. I'm an angel. Joshua fell down and worshiped and he said, take off your shoes. It's holy ground. Who else can it be? Who else can it be if angels don't receive God's glory and his worship had to have been God himself? And so when Joshua fell down and worshipped him, worshipped God, take off your shoes, this is holy ground. That was God, I believe. A manifestation of God. And what was God doing? He was over there, he was waiting 
waiting for his people. Maybe he's been waiting there 40 years. I'm just waiting for my people to show up. Waiting for me to, waiting for them to believe in me. Waiting for them to get a hold of all this. And uh, what was he doing? He, Joshua met this manifestation of God on the way to Jericho. And so I believe that God was headed to Jericho before his people got there. He was going ahead and he was striking fear into these in the, the Jericho hearts. He was going ahead before his people went there. He was going and he was putting cracks in all the walls around Jericho because soon enough his people would be coming behind, marching in faith and singing praises and worshiping God. And they were going to shout down those walls, but God went ahead and he started cracking those walls. He went ahead to prepare the way for his people. He was getting victory all set up so that when the people of God got there and shouted with faith and praise, the walls came crumbling down. And the people of God, they were amazed by that. You'd be amazed by it too. We have to understand and believe that God is out there waiting for us to catch up to him. Once we deal with the report of what all the devil's going on in the city, and we've been doing that, and we've done that, the river's going to part in the spirit, and we'll be able to walk through, and we'll know that God is out there waiting for us to go and to conquer the land. Do you believe that with me when you stand with me today? We talk about it all the time, about God going before us, fighting our enemies. Well, there's evidence right there that he does. Joshua met him, met the Lord of hosts. But that's only going to happen when you're ready, when you're ready to cross, cross that river. That barrier of belief, reach out on the other side. You're not going to cross it with a dirty heart. The river won't part for you. The only way that you can part the river is if you've dealt with the report of the land. You've got all that stuff out of your heart. Because you're going to let God lead you. You're not going to let those spirits lead you and speak to you anymore because you bound them in Jesus' name and you got them out of your life. And just because you got them out of your life doesn't mean they're not going to come back. If they've tormented your life before and you kick them out, they're going to come back because there's a weakness that you've already given in. You've already proven to them that you've given in to them before. So don't expect them not to ever come back again. No, they'll be coming back. Those thoughts will be coming back again. You're going to evict them or entertain them. You're going to bind them in Jesus' name or you're going to allow them to torment your mind and lead you astray. I believe that God is preparing the river for us as a people of God. We've been dealing with the report. It's not been a pretty one. But we've been getting our hearts ready. That God would part the river. And I believe that the captain of the Lord's host has already crossed the river. He's already into the promised land. Just waiting for Joshua, waiting for Israel to muster the courage to cross over. And I believe that the captain of the Lord's host is already here in Fort Myers, already here in southwest Florida. And he's waiting. Waiting for the people of God to hear the report and to prepare their hearts to cross over and to meet up with him, to conquer the land in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Do you believe that with me? Do you believe that there's a harvest of souls waiting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? But we have to get our hearts ready. God, get all these things out of our hearts. God wants to pour out His Spirit upon all this world. But He needs His people to cross the river before that can happen. We've just got to go and find Him we got to find that altar and say, God, search my heart. 
Search me, Jesus. See if there be any wicked way in me, God. Cleanse me from all the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. And I believe that if we do that, we are doing that. That soon the time is when we're crossing over the river. And we're going to be seeing the promises of God, the rewards of God. Amen. Now why don't we bow our heads as we begin to sing. Just prepare our hearts. Prepare our minds, God. Search us today. Come on, these altars are open. You want to prepare yourself. We're going across the river, but we got to be ready. Got to deal with those spirits at some point. Best to deal with them now. Deal with them today. God, I surrender to you. Respond to his calling. Respond to the Spirit today. He's drawing us. Cleanse ourselves. Prepare us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Revival's coming. Grab a hold of him wherever you are. upon grace beauty for ashes you come to us we come
darkness into your love, into your light. Grace upon grace, beauty for ashes, you come to us. We come alive. We stand in awe you. We stand in awe of you. across on dry ground but they walked across together as one body one nation went out and conquered that land and if we are to go out into this land 
We have to go out together. We have to go out as one body, united in one purpose. And so what I want us to do is, I want us to, as best we can, just face each other. If everyone in the front, I guess if you can turn around and face everyone, just... I wanted to make a circle. I uh, saw a picture of us in a big circle, but I think we might be have too many people. But as long as we're facing each other. And so we're all in this together.